We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Get to a ratio. Okay, though. Get to a ratio. Okay, though. Michael Jackson helped shove you out of the picture. Absolutely. He helped stifle my creativity. Uh, He's helped stifle my voice. There's definitely a level truth to that, that he was a very, very big part of my story either way. But there's also every possibility that had he not gotten in my way, I too would have wound up dead. You understand? Because when me, him, and Prince were all at the top of our game. At one point, you had the three of us, and you had Madonna, for example, who were, who were making the kind of music that were bringing everybody, all demographics and people together. We were kind of creating or seen as a part of a movement where this must mean something if all of these artists are right now just blurring all the barriers. And again, that's going to make some people nervous whose maintenance of power depends upon, you know, those separations being maintained because if 1% is going to control us 99%, then they certainly need to be in charge of, of where the um, dividing lines are and, and to gerrymander our, 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 our cultures accordingly. Sananda Maitreya is one of the great singer-songwriters of the 80s of my youth. His debut album, his second album, I loved his music. Oh my God, it's so exciting to get to talk to him, to call him in Italy and talk to him about music, about why his career didn't go even bigger, about how he thinks about music, how it moves through him, like through the ancestors, talking to him, how John Lennon came to him in a dream and inspired him so much. It is such an honor to talk to him. you got to hear the whole conversation. You'll get half of it for free. You want the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash show for $5. You get the Patreon exclusives on Friday and the 60-minute versions of our Wednesday shows. And this one is 100% worth it. The guy is brilliant. The guy is warm. The guy is really 
deep and interesting to talk to. Let's get into it. It's Sananda Maitreya on Torre Show. You know, I've been to Milan. You're in Milan, right? I I, I traveled all over Italy um, with uh, my wife several years ago, and Milan was my favorite place. And can you just tell the folks a little bit about why you love Milan and what's so great about it? Um, Well, the reason I I came here basically was because I was was ready to uh, enter the phase of my life where I kind of assumed uh, the responsibility of, of, uh, a family and, and taking more responsibility completely for setting up my business. And, um, so it was really a, 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 a decision that was led by the fact that, you know, um, my wife's family was from here and, um, what was, her roots were here. And what was very important for me was because of the, um, the childhood that I had, which was rather rootless. I mean, um, it seemed like at one point, every three years, we were moving to another uh, place, another state, another situation, um, as well as the fact that uh, my, my stepfather being um, an evangelist, we were always traveling around anyway. So it was important for me in seeing myself projected forward through the children you know, there's always that cliche where we want to give our children the, the lives that, you know, we ourselves wanted to have, but, but couldn't have because of circumstances and karma. So the fact that her family was rooted here, secure here, and in this area also of, uh, of Lombardia, which is the kind of um, county that Milan is in, if you will, um, that was very important for me to make sure that my 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 children my sons um grew up in one place and adopted one place that adopted them mm. you know so that it, was it, well it, that was very much a part of it i mean it's a place with a great vibe great architecture cool people great food and then of course having having come here it was certainly a very uh smart place for any artist to base themselves because um, uh, you have such a rich culture of, of arts being appreciated, supported, encouraged. You know, artists are treated in, in Italian culture like the way you know, doctors are treated in, in America. There is a real cultural appreciation and respect for, for artists as very necessary components of, of, of culture in a way that doesn't really exist in, in our culture. Um, so it is a perfect place to be because you feel like your work supported and your energy supported by both, you know, the surroundings and by the history of the place. Do they give, um, do they give you love just for being black? I know some places in Europe being black American, they're like, Oh my God, you're, you're the bomb just because of that. Um, there's a certain vanity to Italians that you have to understand that that even if they were, they're not the French. So even if they were, they would kind of not really want you to know that, really. They kind of just, you know, um, 
you you kind of just get accepted. What what the perception that you feel is that what you're mainly being embraced by is being an artist that they respect. You know, so because Europe is not exactly America, the lens through which they see and project these things isn't necessarily as immediate as, as that as it might be for us from our perspective, because you know we're seeing it from the um, from the inside out. But you know, as as in anything else, there is definitely always going to be a level of fetish uh, fetishization that happens with regard to um, to to um, you know black artists or foreign artists or even immigrants from abroad, because it also flatters the culture that you chose to live there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I fell in love with your singing voice, uh, you know, the first time I heard it, I was just so blown away. And <laughs> there's so much range, you know, from these great highs to these gritty, like Jackie Wilson soul sort of lows and, um, you know, so much power. You talk about just sort of developing and mastering that aspect of you as a musician. Um, that's just a circumstance of, of time and trust. Uh, and it's also an element uh, of kind of keeping a respectful distance from it and not worrying it when you don't need to worry it. That's, that's very important. So, cause I, I, I kind of, I, I can afford to keep a certain emotional distance from it because I kind of consider it something um, that has been bestowed upon me to work with and is not necessarily mine, but something that I have been loaned, uh, you know, by creator to, to, you know, take my part in the process and do what I can to, to further along the process as well as get what I can from the process. So, I, I kind of it's easy for me to take a certain level of detachment when I'm when I'm talking about it. But you know, for example, when I'm not in the studio or I'm not on stage, even at home, you would never hear me singing. So it's just kind of like something that like I go into that room only when I need to to get its attention and we work together and then boom. And so I, I keep that kind of space from it. But also, you know, the other element is just just time. I can remember um, I can remember many, many years ago, it was definitely over 30 years ago, um, I was invited to uh, participate in a, a John Lennon tribute concert in, um, in Liverpool. And um, I had a chance to spend a little bit of time with the great the great Al Green, the great mm. Maestro. And um, it was a very, very fruitful day for me actually because I, I got some nuggets from the time that I had with him if I can just kind of go into the, to, to, to this tour. first thing was we were riding together in the uh, to sound check because um, our sound checks were right next to each other right after one another so we rode together and I remember asking him this very like pure but naive question. I remember asking him, I said, Revenal, why are you why are you always so happy? And I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm happy because I choose to be happy. And I wake up every morning and I make a choice to be happy. And that blew me away because, you know, 
I hadn't really yet gotten around to the concept that happiness was a choice, that happiness was a decision, that happiness was a commitment. You know, so that kind of blew my mind right there, like, like, whoa, you know, and certainly kind of redirected like my like um, my thought process towards that kind of more of concept that, you know, you kind of make the space for yourself the best you can and you claim space, you know, that we, you wish to inhabit. Then there was something later on that particular day where this this lady who's also a we would regard as a legend. He was sitting backstage. He was reading his Bible. I remember I was sitting right next to him and um, she kept flirting with him to get his attention. She kept calling him, you know, Reverend Al. Oh, Reverend Al. I mean, she was really like playing it up. And he was like looking at his book and kind of minding his business. And then out of nowhere, he, he looks up. And, and he locks eyes with this woman. And I swear to God, her face turns as white as a ghost. Okay. And, and this was a woman of color. Okay. Her face turns as white as a ghost. And it was like, it's like she, she noped the fuck up out of there. Like really like, like, like in slow motion. Like he, she was, she was like taunting him. Right. And he basically just, Gave her, okay, is this what you're looking for? And she wasn't ready for it. Mm. That was some stone cold player shit. And I was like, whoa. If I idolized him before, he was like my hero after that, like, boom. But the third thing that happened, which was very important, was that um, at some point, the organizers tried to tempt us to do a duet together, to improvise something together. While we while we were at soundcheck, so um, he basically kind of politely vetoed out of the idea because he's an absolute professional and he wasn't going to leave something up to like the last minute. But he was singing, and I heard him singing, and I remember at the time I think I was like twenty six or something. The difference in our voice, the volume, was like. The difference between, you know, like, you know, just like a mouse and and a lion. It was like really like you could hear the many, many, many years that this guy had put into like his craft and the nightclubs and the tours and the everything. And and I and I realized at that moment, no matter how hyped I had been to that point. I was very grateful not to do a duet with him that night because he would have just blown me away. Just the sheer volume of his instrument was like no match for my young lungs at that particular time. You know what I mean? I was a sapling in the presence of a, of a master, of, a, of an oak. So I, that's a long way of saying that basically at this point, after all the years of having, you know, it lived the life. Yeah, you you do inherit a more mature instrument. You do inherit a more mature voice that's able to express more because it's experienced more. You know, these are those those kind of like um, those bestowments that only um, um, if if I can coin such a word that only time can really give, and it's 
that extra element of having lived those experiences that allows people to feel where you're coming from because that's it's not the voice it's what the voice is carrying it's the the vibe that the voice is carrying that the people are responding to like yeah that dude feels like he knows some shit you know that's where it comes from we live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. You have always felt deep and that there's like depth within the voice that is like beyond what this man, you know, is, is, is telling us, you know, and I think that's part of what I and so many people were responding to that there were frequencies beneath just the, the highs and the lows that it was like, wow, like this is, I mean, that's what soul music is that you're going to reach into my soul and grab hold of it. And you with your voice have been so 
adept at doing that? Well, well, thanks. Um, it's just really important not to get caught up in what something means and what something is supposed to mean or something's supposed to sound like. You know, I came up with the concept of post-millennium rock because I just kind of didn't want to suffer having to to slide out from under other people's descriptions of what what I was doing, what I was creating. You know, especially since we tend to get very proprietary towards the, the, the labels that we give things. So <clears throat> you can say that somebody will say, well, that's not, you know, rock, or that's not like country, or that's not soul. But you're, you're basically telling these genres, these living musics, that they're finished creating what they are. That, that, that whatever you think of what soul is or is meant to be, it is still an ongoing mutating amoeba that, that gains new shape and, and new structure as it passes through everyone that gets a chance to, to, to play with the material, to play with it. So for, for me, um, soul music is not something that can be defined by what it sounds like. Soul music can only be defined by what it feels like. Mm. Because there's a lot of stuff that is going to not have any particular relation to what critics or what other people say, oh, this is what soul music, it fits inside the parameters of these this description. But, you know, a thing, a, a thing that's coming from the soul is always trying to find the quickest, easiest path to expression you know, and 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 not have to go through too many of the filters or even explanations as to why it exists. It exists because it must. And this is the wellspring of, of all of all true creations, is those sparks that you notice, not necessarily that you create always, but those sparks that you notice exist and you have a chance in that moment to grab it and start to work with it to create something. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you've always been beyond genre that you will grab some from soul, but you grab some from rock, you grab some piece from jazz and like, you know, and then it's just you. It's your stew. Um, and yet I feel like you have been one of the great thinkers in terms of soul music. And like, here's my vision of soul music. And it clearly comes from the tradition, but it expands, it extends and expands what you have thought of as soul music. Can you just talk about just some of your thoughts on what soul music is and why you've taken it some of the directions that you have? Um, I don't know. I guess on some, on some level, soul music is a rebel music. Yes. Because it it dares to tell the truth, and in any art form that dares to tell the truth is certainly going to have that connection with soul, as well as it would, let's say have a connection with punk, or what is the punk? The same thing. It's like there's that which is true, and okay, now somebody might call it hip hop, now somebody might call it you know thrash or death metal. <clears throat> it's just the truth coming at the speed of comprehension, yet you know, and being filtered through the people, through the the artists that this particular truth is coming through at this particular time. Because if it's true, it's going to have that resonance with the thing that we call soul. And for me, it was just, again, to respect the fact that whatever soul music is, to give it the respect that it isn't dead, 
that it's a living form and that it mutates, it changes, it grows, it expands. Like, like any other single-celled organism becomes multiple-celled at some point. That's just the way of, of, of life. That's, those are the laws of physics. Those are the laws that exist. So it's also to understand that, that when you're working with these precious materials, these frequencies, these vibrations, these genres, you know, you, you, you allow yourself to open to what it wants to express of itself and not to succumb to your perception of what it is already, what it has already been, what it has already said. Because you have at least the, the, the luxury of, of understanding and, and knowing that all of that has already been said. This has already been classified as soul or what this genre is. So, you know, if I'm dipping in the country, I don't, I don't have to come to a country from some authentic angle of, look, I can make an authentic country record. I just have to take from it what it feeds to me, what it gives to me, and what we, we create together, and have that be what it is as the reality of what country has also become, what it is also involved in. And that's the way I see, see all musics. And the other thing to consider is that, you know, nothing really changes. Back in Mozart's time, uh, back in Haydn's time, they did program music. So they did music, you know, for, for dancing. They did music for, for churches, for religious services. They did music. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Torrey. Thrivemarket.com slash Torrey. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. For communions, they did music for like, uh, you know, um, Masonic, you know, uh, 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 ceremonies and different things. They music for dances. They did chamber music for people who commissioned uh, music so that just four people can play it inside their homes. It's no different from going from one so-called genre to the next. And just seeing everything with program music and seeing what you can do with and for that music. You remind me of something that David Byrne was talking about in his book about music, 
where he talks about music becomes very site dependent. Like when they were making music for concert halls, this was the sort of thing that would sound good in a big wide concert hall when it became CBGBs, right? Yes. Like th this is, we're going to do this because this will work in this weird, tiny little box in space. And um, is that how you experience it? Like we got to make music for the specific site where we're going to perform it. My foundation, the foundation of my whole situation is songs. I follow the songs. And so I listen to the songs. They're the ones that tell me in which direction they want to be dressed because I'm listening to them as they're coming to me. And I'm not imposing my prejudices or my preconceived ideas of what I'm supposed to be hearing on top of what I actually am hearing. So it's just a, 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 a great characteristic to have is to be able to trust that the messages you're receiving, the material, the data that you're receiving from the universe, you know, from, from inspiration, that fire, to just begin with that and not to impose upon it any kind of any kind of a condescension that you somehow know better than the idea which direction to go in. And then from that point, once you've already, you know, just determined the shape of it, then you bring your experience. Then you bring all of your your your, your discernment, your taste to bear on this on the situation. But it's just very very important that when you're fortunate enough to receive the fire in your hand, to to not try to understand it before you actually start letting it transform your understanding. That's a great point. And yet, how do you listen to a song? as you are creating it, creating it in the way that you're talking about? Um, well, first you're hearing it in your head the same way that you hear thoughts. It's, it's, it's no different. It's, is it, is it finished or are you, or is it developing? Um, sometimes it's finished. Some, most, most of the time it's the, you know, let's say if a song has, is, is composed of three parts, you know, an A, B and C or whatever. Uh, very often two parts will come and then I'll, my, my job will be to supply the third part, the missing part, or um, the main, whatever's the main idea that would encourage me to, to actually receive it and start taking it to a next, you know, uh, place. That's, um, that's pretty much, you know, um, how, how that, how that works. So again, I'm just listening to how I'm hearing it and, most of the time when I'm hearing it, it'll often be a phrase that comes with it as well. The main components will be there as well. So, you know, the rhythm section will be there. Uh, whatever the main melodic and counterpoint and harmonic elements are will generally be there as well as the, um, the, the rhythmic uh, infrastructure. And um, then we just go from there. We might just like find, you know, our iPad and just put down the, couple ideas so that they're easy to recall later but that's mainly how it works I, I rarely I rarely go to an instrument and and start from scratch just to create because I, I I've always been used to this this particular way of waiting for ideas that entice me to follow them well yeah let's talk about a little bit more about your songwriting um, process 
is it generally starting with rhythm or generally starting with with lyrics or is it just like a there's a sense in the mind that you're trying to get out on tape generally what i record wind up recording is what i heard initially of the initial idea that said yeah let's this is a good song let's do this um so i would generally have heard the chorus the rhythmic infrastructure the harmonic uh um backbone the um the, the point counterpoint the melody and the you know whatever counter melodies might be assigned to to uh, another instrument or whatever the, the basic elements of what you wind up hearing is what i hear initially um because that's how i mainly edit my music is that i i hear music as as we hear ideas and um popping into the head so I, I can usually say like, oh, that's interesting, but you know, you know, if it doesn't make me get up and turn off the movie or, or get up from the dinner table, then that's kind of how I edit. But if it does, then you know, um, that's the basis of how I start. Is uh, you know, and very often it will also have a lyrical, the main lyrical element present as well, and then sometimes I have. Uh, lyrical ideas that are separate that I might tap into later and, and build from there. So you still get these sort of ideas flushing in or rushing in that make you say, I, I have to get up right now, either whether I'm sleeping or I'm eating or whatever, like this is all done for me. I got to go and record right now. Or I got to write something down right now. Yeah, that still happens, of course. And it's... um it it kind of takes that at this point because I've um it, it's 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 hard. I want to don't want to misphrase this because it can sound um it can come out wrong. But I, 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 since I was a child, I've I've been in touch with um, a kind of fluent musical um, communion, if you will, with uh, with my muse or muses. And so I'm kind of able to turn it on and turn it off, relatively speaking, when I need to. But that's relative because it's also seasonal. So if I'm already kind of in, let's say, writing season, then the floodgates tend to be much more, um, much more open and much more bullying, if you will, of my attention span. But if I, and it, and so I get tend to get a lot of work that I commit to during those periods of time. Otherwise, I kind of then shut it down. And then I would only, you know, you know, go and record an idea, pick up, you know, to 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 commit to um to memory later. You know, like I said, if it's something that excites me enough to get up from what I'm doing to commit to it. When you talk about muses, are you talking about um just sort of the the abstract inspirational angels that are sitting on your shoulders sort of thing if they're abstract and inspirational just to just to uh go off on that point if they're abstract and inspirational there's still matter there's still physical matter that exists within the same space that we exist perhaps in a different frequency but the point is even imagination is matter so if it exists in our minds it is real yeah so the idea we have of muses or angels or guardians, whatever, is 
is ancient. It goes deep into our ancestry. So I trust it is true. Just as I trust that mythology is just our way of saying, this is our history before we started writing it down. When we were still in the oral tradition, but since we don't have a record, a written record of these things, we are going to classify it now as mythology and not our history, our ancestral history. But for me, there's no less true that it's our history, that when we're hearing the, the, the feats of these great ancestors that we now regard as gods, the ones that are responsible for creating us in the state that, that we are in now. But since <clears throat> all matter is real, at least on its own level of existence, and since we're overlapping into all these different layers of, 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 of existence, then even if I imagine the muses, I'm creating something physical that then I'm, I'm basically responding to. And, you know, you have this um, loop that you're creating this energy exchange. Saying, having said all of that, I do believe that um, I am and have been since a child working with some kind of energies whose job it is to help me um, serve my time uh, by using my musical wits to uh, help me and help others. So, yeah, I certainly believe I'm connected to something besides just my own vanity and my own imagination. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of guess I do because there is, there's, there's why kind of artists tend to be so spiritual in a cliched way in which it's often, you know, um, uh, seen. Because we know that clearly something is communicating with us on a level that can't necessarily be explained satisfactorily only by looking at it from a scientific perspective. So, so yeah, there, so there's been a, a force that's been guiding you creatively since you were a child. Yes, I would, I would have to think so. But it could be nothing more mysterious than an ancestor. An ancestor. I mean... You know, I'm, I'm certain that I've had an ancestor who devoted their life to music and perhaps has a tremendous amount to, to share with me and, and, and help me combine what they experienced with what I've experienced. <clears throat> it could be nothing more exciting than that, but it is something. There's definitely something there. We are definitely connected to bloodlines that go back long, long, and long. And um, as we are definitely connected to what's coming after you know after us parallel to all of this so i've no doubt that i've always felt connected to something even as a child and um that i have developed a trust and a relationship that with that um i'm able to do for the most part the things that i need to do you you've talked about a little in the past about john lennon and how he helped inspire you in a deep way. Can you talk about his impact on you? Um, I was I was home from I was uh, back home from the army. Basic training. It was uh, I was back home from basic training. This was 1980. I'll never forget this. And um, the first film I ever remember seeing in my life was was Breakfast at Tiffany. So it kind of stuck with me and had this great impact on me. Um, so the night 
John Lennon was assassinated. I remember falling asleep on the couch in my parents' house. Um, and the radio, I had on the um, classical station at very low volume because I used to like to sleep with uh, classical or jazz music at low volume in the background. Um, and I remember having this dream where I was standing in, inside the dream. I was standing in front of Tiffany's in New York City. And in the distance, it was really, really, really early in the morning and no one else was on the street except coming towards me was this, this guy wearing white. And as he got closer, I could see he was smiling. And as he got closer, I could see, oh my God, it's John Lennon. And as he got next to me, it got, got up to me, he stuck out his hand to shake my hand. And when he grabbed my hand, he disappeared into me. Mm. So it was like, then I woke up and my mom said, did you hear what happened? I said, what? She said, they killed John Lennon. For more from me and Sananda, join us over at patreon.com slash show. There's a lot more to this interview. Thank you so much to Sananda for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Hargis, Noel Samantis, Jason Reynolds, Graville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Keita Murphy, Earl Dorsey and Theotokos. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.